the beginning is a beautiful place to be. Now, I don't know how many beginnings you have been a part of in your life, but the beginning can be an absolutely wonderful place to be. Maybe it's the beginning of a marriage. Um, maybe it's the beginning of college, the beginning of a new life as you, bring, as you bring a child into this world. Maybe it's the beginning of a big project like building a house or maybe even restoring a car. Um, I, I remember five years ago on Friday, we actually had the beginning of Movement Church as we met for the very first time for one of our Movement Church uh, core team meetings five years ago on September 11th, there was 11 people in the room and there were three people, including Devin and Cynthia, that came by FaceTime. So in a way, you know, 2020 is comfortable for us. We've always been a little bit digital and a little bit and a little bit in person. But this is the beginning is a beautiful and a wonderful place to be. The beginning can also be a frustrating place to be because it, it requires some imagination of, of what could be. And because most of the time the beginning would be easier if it came with a plan, and life rarely gives us a plan, and even when life comes with a plan, life rarely sticks to the plan. Those of you who have had kids know exactly what I'm talking about. You spend the entire pregnancy thinking about what parenting is going to be like, what your relationship with your kid is going to be like, how it's going to go to, to feed them, and to, who's going to be awake through the night, and you come up with all, all kinds of plans, all kinds of plans, all kinds of plans about the beginning and what the beginning is going to look like for your child. And then you have a child and all of those plans go out the window and you quickly figure out that all those books that you read about parenting and all those books that you read about children, well, they were about some children, but they weren't about your children. The beginning can be a wonderful and a beautiful, but a frustrating place to be. Now, here's why I bring all of that up. 2020, at the beginning of 2020, all of us were told, well, this is a new beginning. This is the beginning of a new year. It's the beginning of a new decade. It can be the beginning of a new you. And what nobody told me and what nobody told you and what we all kind of forgot as we looked ahead with optimism is that for a new beginning to take place, a lot of old has to crumble and a lot of old has to fall away and fall apart. Matter of fact, as I, as I, as I opened up my outline for, the, for this message a few weeks ago, I was struck that, I, that in, in some ways I knew this at the, at the end of 2019 because I started writing this series and these outlines in December of 2019 while everyone was focused on Christmas. I was starting to write about this series about the beginning for September of 2020. And I wrote something. I, I said I, in, in, in that outline in December 2019, I said, at the beginning of 2020, we're all being told that this is a new beginning, that this is a fresh start, that, that everything is going to be amazing. And the second thing that I, that I read when I opened this outline was something that struck, I, I, it was almost creepy. I read this line, chances are it hasn't gone like you thought it would. Again, when, when I opened that outline and read that I had written that in December 2019, I was like, Man, that's kind of creepy. But at the same time, it's part of the territory that for a new beginning, unfortunately, a lot of old has to be stripped away. And so here's the thing. I really believe that we are all at a new beginning. We are all at a new beginning because like never before in our lifetimes, 2020 brought most of our lives to a halt, to an absolute pause. And if, we, and if we're smart about it, we took some time during the pause and some time during the halt to think about and, and during the standstill to examine some things about our lives. Like, like what of the old do we actually want to carry forward into the new? What are the things in life that matter most and need to actually be a priority and need to receive some more attention in our lives? See, some of you, because of the events of the last year, there are some things that you have believed in your life and you're re-examining what you believe because the things that you believed have not stood up to the test of 2020. 
And you find yourself going, well, did it, was that true? Was that true, but I misunderstood it? Was that true, but I didn't really get it right? Was that not true at all, but someone told me something and it wasn't even in the Bible, but I just believed it because they said it? Some of you, the events of this year have caused you to come back to faith. And you find yourself at the beginning of a life of faith or at a new beginning when it comes to faith in God. So for all of us, this year really can be a new beginning. And I really do believe we find ourselves at a new beginning. And so while we're at this beginning, I want to go back to the beginning because there are some fundamental truths about who God is and how he works and what he wants to do in our lives that we find at the beginning of the story of humanity and in the stories of the beginning of faith. So we're going to start at the, today at the beginning because it's a very good place to start. Starting in Genesis 1 verse 1, at the absolute beginning, here's what it says. In the beginning, God created. Would you say that with me? Say, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, pause, pause here for just a moment. This verse has caused a lot of consternation for people who are trying to believe in God, but also believe in the scientific explanations of how the universe and how the world came to be. What's interesting in this verse is we are not given a specific how that God created. We are simply told that God created. See, I'm of the belief, I'm of the belief that you can have a lot of different opinions on how God created, but Christian belief has always believed that at one point there was nothing, and then one way or another, God created. So you can be a Christian and believe that the world is 6,000 years old. You can be a Christian and believe that the world is millions of years old. You can be a Christian and believe that there are seven literal days of creation where God created everything in seven literal 24-hour time periods. Or you can believe that, the, that you can be a Christian and believe that, God, that those seven time periods represent seven time periods and not seven days. You can be a Christian and believe a lot of different hows, but at the end of the day, Christian faith has always believed that behind all of the hows, there was still a who. And the who is that God created. Created. That somehow, some way, in, in ways that we may never understand until we see Jesus face to face, God created. That in the beginning, God created. And we're not told how, we're told that He did. And that at the beginning, He was the source, He was the sustainer, and He was the start of it all. Going on in verse 2, it says this Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Imagine that, there was no light. And God just said, Hey, let there be light, and it was. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was a morning, one day. Anybody grateful for light? Let me just ask that question. Anyone, anyone grateful for light? Anyone grateful that you can see? See, you can do that because God initiated light. That God spoke and light began moving at 299,792,458 meters per second. And because we're all Americans and the metric system makes us nervous and think we're all turning socialist or communist, let me give you that in American speak. God started speaking and light started moving at 186,000 miles per second. Yeah, it's amazing that God spoke and light began. And then God divided the light from the darkness. And, and, and when God spoke, light moved incredibly fast. And that's just important for us to understand. When God wants to do something fast, God can make things move very 
fast. When God wants to move something in your life quickly, God can do something in your life very quickly, which means if he hasn't done something quickly in your life, he's not not doing something. He's just not doing it quickly. God moves at whatever speed he wants to move, and he can move at whatever speed he wants to in your life. Life. Go on in verse 6, it says this, Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came, and then morning, the second day. See, God created the atmosphere. Now, how many of you are grateful for the atmosphere here on earth? Yeah, I mean, we, we get a little bit less excited about the thinking about the atmosphere than thinking about, about, about light, but the truth is that we couldn't exist on this planet without the atmosphere that God created. The 300-mile-thick, seven-layer atmosphere, kind of like a seven-layer burrito from Taco Bell, seven-layer atmosphere is what makes life inhabitable. The atmosphere is what allows you to breathe and what allows me to breathe so that we can live. This is actually pretty cool if you think about this. In creation, before God made animals and before he made human beings, he he created the world with the exact conditions that would be perfectly suitable for life on this planet and for us to inhabit, which means that God was intentional and intelligent in his design of not only humanity, but of the world that we would inhabit. God was intentional and intelligent in his design. Verse 9 tells us this, Then God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the third day. Now, how many of you are grateful for land? I mean, most of us live on land. That's exciting. That's exciting. We're, 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 we're excited because we get to live on the land that God separated from the waters. Now, how many of you are excited, are excited for seas or bodies of water? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think they're awesome. But for those of us, because many of us, most of us, we live in New Mexico. Let me try to explain what a sea or a, a body of water is. See, uh, water is that stuff that comes out of your faucet. And in parts of the world, a large amount of that gathered in one spot. And it formed what was called a lake or a sea or even an ocean. And, 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 if, and if you're lucky or fortunate enough, you can go swimming in it, which is something that we do in small little kiddie pools in the backyard because it's 2020 and we live in New Mexico. And so we do that. Or if you're lucky enough, you have a boat or a jet ski that you get to take out and, 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 go, and go crazy on like some of my neighbors do and I'm really jealous of you. And so, and so, we, and so, we, so we do that on, on bodies of water. That's what a body of water is if, in case you don't know because you live in New Mexico. That's what a body of water is. It's amazing. It really is something. It's a wonderful thing that God created, that God separated the land and that God separated the waters. But that's not all God did on this day of creation. If, if you notice, God separated the land and the seas, but he also created all vegetation and all fruit, every, everything that would grow that humans could eat on, on, on the planet, God created on this day. How many of you are grateful for beans? Yeah, we're in New Mexico. Everyone should be grateful for beans. How many of you are grateful for corn on the cob? If you're in America, we're all grateful for corn on the cob. How many of you are grateful for plant-based burgers? Yeah, that was a trap. That, yeah, that, that was a trap. I, I, I don't maybe maybe you are. I'm not sure, but but that that was a little bit of a trap. But, but you can eat plant-based burgers because God created vegetation and God created the things that would grow into plants 
on this day. But you, you can kind of sense that even on this day, like this is the one day that God says it was good twice. That God gets really into, that God's getting excited about the food. He's like, man, did you, that land and that sea thing were pretty cool, but did you check out apples? I mean, I could make a pie, I could make a cobbler, I could make sauce. It's going to be amazing. This is what we call a terrible impersonation of God. Going on in verse 14, it says this, And then God said, And let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and for years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth to rule the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the fourth day. Day four, God made the sun, the moon, and the stars. And God orchestrated them into galaxies and to constellations. And he distinguished that the sun and the moon and the stars would help human beings or would help creation mark time. Interesting, again, that before God made humans who would tell time, God created the means and the objects by which we would tell time. Now, again, because we live in New Mexico, let me try to explain time to you. Time is, I'm joking, kind of. Um, verse 20, then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, and morning, the fifth day. Now, this is, this is fascinating. On earth, there are between 9,000 and 10,000 species of birds. Some of them are beautiful. Some of them are delicious. <laughs> There are 28,000 known species of fish, with 27,000 being some type of bony fish, and over 900 species of sharks. There is incredible diversity and variation in God's creation. It's almost like, it's almost like from the beginning. It's almost like, like from the beginning, God had this idea that diversity and variety is valuable and makes the world better. Interesting. Verse 24 goes on, says, Then God said, Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. See, experts in the field of animal classification have estimated that there may be up to 8.7 million species of animals on the earth, and that we have just scratched the surface of classifying and identifying them. They estimate that it will take up to 1,000 more years to identify and classify all of earth's animal species. That's a lot. Now, there are some absolutely beautiful animals. Let me, let me show you a few of my favorite. First of all, this is the white tiger. It's beautiful, isn't it? Strong, majestic. Here's the California red-sided garter snake, which if you saw that in your garden, you might be like, Ah, or you might be like, hmm, pretty. This is the fire salamander. Sorry for all of those of you who think that, that the one on Frozen 2 is what it actually looks like. This is actually what a fire salamander looks like. It's beautiful. Look at a quokka. This thing is beautiful. This is found in, in Australia. Look at this cute cow. Some of you, I know some of you in the church, you love pictures of cute, adorable cows. Look at this cute cow. This is an amazingly cute cow. I'm going to put up one more picture of a cute cow. Look at this cute cow. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite idea of a cute cow. And the best part of that picture, the picture is really rare. 
<laughs> See, you come for the spiritual advice, but the jokes are free. And that's about how much you could charge for them. All right, verse 26 goes on to tell us this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. Here's interesting. God didn't have to declare humanity good by creating us in his image. He knew that humanity was created good. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed bearing plant on the surface of the earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife, for the earth, for every bird of the sky and for every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And here's just one, one, one thing to stop and mention in this story. Responsibility is a blessing. Responsibility is a blessing. When everything was created and everything was exactly as God intended it, the first thing that God gave to mankind in perfect creation was responsibility. Responsibility is not a punishment or a part of the fall. Responsibility is something that God put inside of every single one of us. God gave responsibility when everything was perfect, that God created us with a need for purpose. God created us with a need for a mission, a need for something to accomplish, and God gave us responsibility of fulfilling something within his creation, of serving something within his creation. This is why when you as a spouse, as a parent, as a student, as an employee, or as an employer, as a citizen, or as a grandparent, when you are fulfilling your responsibility, you are living up to being the person that God created all of us to be because responsibility is not a curse. Responsibility is a blessing. It's something to, to, to embrace. It's something for all of us to embrace. And so then here's what we're told at the very end of chapter 1 of Genesis 1. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. Now that's the creation story. It's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. It's dramatic. It's, it's the beginning. It's the beginning. And at the beginning, we see a lot about what God is capable of. Incredible capability, unbelievable diversity, the ability to create our world out of nothing. It's, it's unbelievable. To know that God can do that is absolutely unbelievable. But throughout the account of creation, there's this one phrase or this one set of words that comes up over and over and over and over again. And I think it teaches us actually the most important thing that Genesis, has, that Genesis 1 has to teach us. And here's, and here's the big principle for today. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is good. Everything. This is actually the beginning point of faith. That God doesn't make mistakes, God makes good. God doesn't come up with random plans and ideas and eventually figure out how to make it good. God makes God's plans are complete and completely good from the start. Everything God does is good. In fact, this is why you can trust God with your whole life. Because everything God does is good and everything God does for you is for your good and is good for you. Let me, let me break this down into, into, into three things I think we see in this story, but I think we see play out in a lot of ways in our lives. Everything God starts is good. Everything God starts is good. Everything that God began at the beginning 
was good. Perfect environment, perfect day and night, perfect light, perfect atmosphere for human beings to live in, perfect plants, perfect vegetables, perfect fruits, per- perfection in the animal kingdom, perfection in, hum- in human kingdom, perfection divided of, of land and sea and, and everything that would grow on it. Perfect at the start. Everything God starts is good. And that's true at, cre- at creation, but it's true when God begins something new in your life. When God put Jesus on the cross to start a relationship with you, it was really good. When God put places a dream in your heart, it's good. And you work towards it and accomplish the good things God has for you. When God brings two people together to form a new family, it's good. When God guides your steps to a new place in your career, it's good. When God guides your steps to new life-giving relationships and friendships, it's good. It's what he does. It's who he is. The important part there is when when God does it, when God brings two people together, when God leads you to life-giving relationships, when God leads you to a next place in your career, when God puts a dream on your heart, not when you just develop a dream, not when you just find a relationship, not when you just find some friends, but when God guides your footsteps and God leads you to something new into a new season, what God does is good. What God starts is always good. The beginning can be scary because God's leading you to take steps you wouldn't choose to take and toward people and toward things that you may not choose for yourself. But when God starts something new, you lean in and you follow his lead. Everything God starts is good. Also, everything God speaks is good. Every word from God is good and is good for you. When God speaks to you directly, if that happens, that's a good thing. When God, when God speaks to you, when God speaks to you through his word, his word, the Bible, is good and is good for you. Some words will be life and hope and encouragement and life-giving direction, and those are really good and they feel good. It's like, oh, God spoke life to me. God spoke hope. I feel like what I read today brought me so much encouragement and joy. It was wonderful. That was so good. Other times, words will be hard to hear, but they will be for your good if you'll embrace the hard, difficult truth. When you need encouragement, God speaks encouragement because he's good. When you need correction, God speaks correction because God is good. When you need instruction, God speaks as a teacher to show your next step because he's good. When you need rebuke because you're doing something that will harm you or harm others, God will speak rebuke because God is good. When God speaks, it doesn't always feel good, but it always is good. It's always good for you. It's always good for the world around you. Whatever God starts is good. Everything God speaks is good. And finally, everywhere God leads is good. Not everywhere where he leads seems good. And not everywhere he leads feels good. But everywhere he leads is good. See, there's this, there's this example from a, from a story in the Gospels where Jesus literally you know, calls and tells his, his disciples, hey, I want you to get in the boat and we're going we're gonna to go out into the middle of, 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 the, of the sea and we're going to cross to the other side. And while they're there, while they're in the boat in the middle of the sea, a storm comes, which means Jesus sent them into the storm, which doesn't feel good. Which doesn't, which doesn't make me feel great about Jesus all the time, that Jesus sometimes that Jesus actually sent his people into a storm. But something happened in the middle of the storm. While they were in the storm, they saw Jesus raise up and tell the storm to calm and be peaceful, and the storm listened to Jesus. And if they hadn't followed Jesus, and if Jesus had never sent them into the storm, they would never have seen Jesus' power over the storm. And that's a big deal. They experienced something and knew something and he came out confident in Jesus in a way that they could never have come out confident in Jesus if they hadn't gone through the storm. 
Jesus will, and this is important for all of us to understand. If you haven't figured this out, if you're a Jesus follower, you're going to figure this out at some point. There will be times where Jesus calls you to walk into a storm and it's for your good. And it won't feel good in the moment and you won't see good in the moment, but you trust Jesus in the moment anyway, that even when it doesn't feel good or seem good, he will still use it for good because everywhere he leads is good and is good for you. Everything God does is good. Everything God creates is good. Everywhere God leads is good. And so here's the first question that I would love to leave us with today as as we end. It's simply this. If God can create good out of nothing, how much good could God create out of your life placed in his hands? If God can create all of the good of the universe out of nothing, how much good could God create if you would put your life into into his hands and allow him to do the good that he wants to do. If God can create that much good out of nothing, how much good could God create with your time placed in his hands? If God can create that much good out of nothing, how much good could God create out of the relationships that you have in your life if you place them into his hands? If God can do that, how much good could God take and do with the influence that you have with the people around you? If God can do that, how much good could God do in your marriage if you surrendered your your marriage and trusted your marriage into his loving, good hands? How much good could God do in your life if you trusted your life to him? Some of you, you need to make that decision today to trust your marriage, to trust your parenting, to trust your job, to trust your career, to trust your relationships, to trust your friendships into the hands of the only one who is truly and perfectly good and can lead you in a way that is truly and perfectly good because everything that God does is good. Which should lead us to a second interesting thought and question. God created and started and spoke all good. But so much of what we see and experience in our world is not good. God created all good and only good, but what we, what we experience is so much not good, which should all make us ask this question. What happened? What happened? If God created so much good, what happened to cause so much of the death and defeat and destruction that we experience in this world? Whatever it was, it must have been a big deal because to go from perfect creation to 2020, something, must, something big must have happened. Something big must have happened. So what happened? That's a great question, and that's where we're going to pick it up next week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, today I simply thank you for this story. Thank you that you recorded this story, that you recorded history so that we would know what you have done. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that everything you created was good. Thank you that, you that you were intentional and that you were intelligent. Thank you for the variety of creation and the diversity of creation. Thank you that you created a world perfectly suitable for us to live and to grow and to know you in. Thank you, God, that you did all that. Thank you that everything that you did is good. And God, thank you that everything that you do still is good. Thank you that every word that you speak to us is good. Thank you that everything that you start in our lives is good. And thank you that everywhere you lead is good so that we can trust you. God, I pray today that we would simply know that in our core and that we would trust that at the core of our being, that you are good. And that we would trust our marriages and our parenting and our school and our jobs and everything about our lives into your good and loving hands. Help us to do that, God. And Lord, I pray that we would be willing to look at our lives and examine the ways that we haven't trusted you, 
and that maybe just maybe some of the good that we haven't that some of the good that we have missed out on some of the things that are not so good in our lives that maybe just maybe we could own up and admit that that wasn't you but that's us leading ourselves into some pain and some frustration so god i pray that we would turn to you that we would trust you once again that we would trust you with at the beginning that we would trust you from the start that we'd trust you with everything that we have and everything that we are we love you god and we pray this all in jesus name amen